Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. afternoon and a very warm welcome to this, uh, the first of Fund Boards Council's brand new board effectiveness uh, series of meetings. Now our board effectiveness series really aims to examine just what it takes to be a high performing fund board and over the coming months we're going to be putting some of the major aspects of running a fund board under our microscope. Uh, we're going to be looking at effective board structures, um, looking at the processes that underpin the workings of the board um, and also looking at some of the positive board behaviours that, that make the boards as effective as they can be and all of this is really with the aim of providing you as FBC members with examples of good practice and with some tangible uh, actionable insights and tips that hopefully you can take back to your own board conversations Um, and longer term we're going to be looking at where uh, we can help FBC members develop frameworks to help you monitor uh, your own board performance and think about some of the key benchmarks and the ways of tracking uh, your effectiveness over time. All of that starts, of course, today with our first session, um, at which we're going to give you some initial perspectives on some of the key characteristics and attributes of a high performing board and some of the signs and signals as well that you might want to be watching out for that uh, suggest that things may not be, uh, be well in the boardroom. We're also going to be looking at some means of potentially measuring uh, board effectiveness. And as ever, we'll leave some time at the end uh, for your own questions. So please do type them into the Q&A box at any point during the discussion and we'll, we'll come to those at the end and try and cover as many as we can. So I'm delighted to say that we've assembled a, a panel of real experts who are going to talk us through their experiences and give us um, some of their examples of the key attributes and warning signs to be looking out for. Now you can read more about them uh, and their backgrounds on the website, but let me briefly introduce them to you. Uh, Dr. Margaret Cullen, who is a very familiar face to many of you, I'm sure. Uh, Margaret is a specialist in corporate and investment fund governance and indeed holds a PhD in it uh, from the University College Dublin. Um, she was the founding CEO and academic director of the Certified Investment Fund Director Institute and now has an extensive non-executive career herself and regularly advises boards on a range of governance topics. And as if that wasn't enough to be keeping her busy, she's also a board assessor with the Institute of Directors in Ireland. Also joining us today is Vicky Kubacek. Vicky is a non-executive director and board advisor specialising in risk, regulation and governance uh, with experience across the banking, insurance and asset management industries. She's an independent director of the EMEA boards of First Centier Investors, including its fund board, and holds non-executive directorships in the life insurance, insurance brokerage and wealth management industries. Vicky is also an established board advisor, helping boards to assess their effectiveness and governance arrangements. And also very busy, uh, she's also the author of the definitive book on risk governance entitled Integrated Assurance, Risk Risk Governance Beyond Boundaries, uh, available from all good online bookshops, I believe, Vicky. (laughs) And, uh, And finally, 
bringing us the all-important executive viewpoint is Martin Gilby, who is the UK country manager at Franklin Templeton Investments. Martin is responsible for providing the strategy, leadership and management of Franklin Templeton's overall business operations in the UK. And he's also the CEO of the board of Franklin Templeton Fund Management and Franklin Templeton Investment Management. A very warm welcome to all of you. Thank you very much indeed in advance for giving us your time and your, your insights. Um, Margaret, I'd like to start with you, if I may, because I'd like to just kick off the discussion by just um, trying to briefly define board effectiveness. So when we talk about board effectiveness, in your view, what do we mean and, and who determines whether a board is truly effective? Well, it's the, it's the million dollar question, Catherine, and thank you so much for the invitation to talk about my favourite subject, of course. But I, I think when it comes to board effectiveness, one of the things that I found is that there is a myriad of definitions. Um, so I think this is a really, really important um, series of, of, of sessions, Catherine. For me, it starts with a board. Does a board understand its objectives? And a board is effective if, if it meets those objectives. So, for example, the overriding objective of an investment fund board should be investor protection. But, but here's the thing, Catherine, this is where it becomes very challenging. If you are a global investment manager and you are, um, these objectives may have different influences, different regulatory um, influences, depending on where you're playing, depending on the jurisdiction in which you launch funds um, and, and, and so on and promote funds. Um, so as such, the, it, as such, the characteristics and the, kind of the objectives might be influenced significantly by that, by that context. So let me give you an example of what I mean. If you are a, a director of a 1940 Act fund in the US, for example, there is no concept of the management company, but there is a significant emphasis on independent non-exec directors. Now, in that world, the SEC has set out clearly um, its expectations of the fund board and indeed INEDs. So um, the fund board has to stand back and say, well, is that the extent of how we fulfill our obligations to investors? Do we do a little bit more? Do we do a little bit less? But then if you move over to the UK, we have a varying model and a different type of model. We have internal ACDs and AFMs, external ACDs and AFMs. Um, and, uh, and again, bearing in mind as well that, for example, INEDs on an ACD aren't sitting on the fund board. The ACD sits on the board, is the, is the director of the OIC, and the INED is a director of the ACD. So in a sense, your objectives then might be slightly different in that you might have the regulatory overlay, for example, related to assessment of value, but really is your objective to grow the AUM of the ACD, the external ACD, for example? So your objectives will vary. And then of course, when you come to Europe and we have the concept of the management company um, and the management company where the regulators put an awful lot of emphasis, um, in my view, probably not being very clear about about his expectation of the role of the fund board but you also you have again a very uh, interesting dynamic um, and the management company as well will want to grow its AUM but also will have that an investor protection overlay so all of this but it's really to me about getting clarity on, on the objectives um Catherine briefly as regards who is um can really assess or who is determines whether a board is effective for me it's the investor it'll always be the investor um and bear in mind you know you know as a fund directors we don't necessarily know why investors buy into the fund or invest into the fund um, and as markets move up and down, we don't know why they they, they um, redeem or stay put. Um, it could be part of a balanced portfolio strat and so on. But one thing we do know is that they buy into a fund with an expectation that it will do what it says in the tin, Catherine. And so for me, um, if it does what it says in the tin, um, you know, the boards have probably done their job. And when things go wrong, because sometimes they do, 
does the board, does the operation of the board and how it operates and, and the governance framework it set up protect investors from economic loss? So that's a whistle stop tour and I'll delve into some of those later on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you. Let me just quickly bring in uh, bring in Martin. Uh, that point about defining the objectives up front and then and then being very clear on on who who uh, you know who, to whom you're effect you're being effective on behalf of. Um, that's presumably something that chimes with you as a as a CEO of board. Is that fair to say? Yes, yeah, and, and good afternoon, everybody, and, and thank you, Catherine, and, and welcome to my fellow panel members. I should say I've got a bit of a cough at the moment, so if I, <clears throat> and a sore throat, so if I if I sound a bit hoarse and cough occasionally, I, I apologise. I should also say that we're talking about board effectiveness today, and, and we'll come on, I think, to talk about high-performing boards. I, I am not sitting here saying that Franklin Templeton's UK um, boards, including our ACD, is... Um, necessarily high performing nor are we um am i saying we're particularly effective i think we are uh, i think the whole point about this discussion is how do you how do you evidence that and how do you define that um i i agree with margaret and i would like to pick up on it from a sort of practitioner point of view i think you can't you can't uh you can't rule or opine on how effective you are unless you understand what the purpose of your board is and at its simplest, I think you have two options, certainly from a UK ACD perspective. You know, you can define yourself relatively narrowly as um, being responsible for investor protection, as Margaret says, fund governance, and therefore a big part of the output of that is the delivery of the annual assessment, uh, assessment of value report. That's actually, if, if that's how you define yourself, that's a relatively simple um, framework in which to then measure effectiveness um, because you, for example, you can uh, seek feedback from clients uh, and advisors and your peers as to the um, quality of your AOV report, for example. You can engage the regulator either bilaterally or through industry forums uh, and, and seek guidance or seek input as to whether your particular um, board and its output is ticking you know, regulatory boxes. We, we from, from day one, um, we set out in the UK to do something a bit different and have a wider remit with our UK board. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me, in, a, in addition to everything I've described there, our board is also interested in the broader UK strategy. So it gets involved in, it wants to be engaged on things like our product and distribution strategy, our client experience. Um, our culture, including things, uh, you know, diversity inclusion um, strategies and, and our philosophy around that. ESG is a big area of focus as a subset of investment process and investment performance. And so because of that wider remit, clearly it's a, it's a slightly more challenging uh, exercise to then determine how effective um, the board is at um, assessing that wider remit. Um, <laughs> We've got a long way to go, but but the things we look for is quality of our board discussions, including the minutes and and, and auditing the discussion, looking at the actions that we seek as a board to ask the company, either the company to undertake or the board itself uh, takes actions, and we can come down to that um, a, a bit later on. Um, but uh, at, at its essence, you know, is a board asking the question, how effective are we as a board? If you're not even having that discussion, I think it's quite difficult to think about whether or not um, you are effective. So um, I, I've extended Margaret's point there from a practitioner's point of view. But, um, you know, I think it's at its core, it's you, you can't measure effectiveness unless you're very clear on the purpose uh, of your board. 
Thank you very much, Martin. And we're going to delve into exactly some of the topics that uh, that you've just highlighted there as we get into the discussion. But first, let me just bring in Vicky. Um, uh, Vicky, from your point of view, what Margaret and and and, um, and Martin were saying there, does that chime with with your view on how you define board effectiveness? Yes, indeed. And and uh, first of all, you know, I want to thank um, um, you know you for inviting me and and joining this uh, excellent panel. And and it's you know, like Margaret, this is you know, one of my favorite subjects as well. So, uh, so you have to keep us on, on, uh, on track with time. Um, and secondly, um, uh, my views here clearly represents my own and, and not the boards that I sit on. Um, so picking up the, the, the points that have been made, um, absolutely agree. And I think um, setting that, you know, set of objectives is, is clearly a very important thing. And I think because it is so wide and depends on our respective business models that I use the word obligation. So, you know, um, in other words, the board is effective uh, if it delivers its obligation successfully. And this could be obligations, uh, you know, against its legal um, obligations, the promises it has uh, made to investors, as well as the expectations it has set. Um, so for me, in sort of practical terms, what that means is that a board needs to be, you know, very outcomes focused. Because at the end of the day, bottom line is that the performance of a board will be judged by the outcomes it delivers. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's really the sort of real asset test. And uh, therefore, you know, like Martin say, uh, an effective board is one that is actually needs to be proficient in being self-challenging. Uh, it needs to anticipate, you know, what can go wrong as well as what it needs to get right and then have that follow through. Uh, picking up Margaret's point, uh, one thing for, for, um, we know for certain, things will never go exactly as planned. So the effective board is one that actually creates an environment for us, you know, as, as board members to, to perform our best in, in, at times of adversity. I think for me, that's just kind of real strength of a board. And when I do look at boards, I actually do look for, you know, instances when they have been really tested, because that's really where they actually, you know, demonstrate whether or not they are and can function effectively as a board. So avoiding what I call risk blindness and having blind trust uh, is something that, you know, boards, uh, effective boards do look out for. So it's about increasing, constantly increasing the chances of success rather than saying, you know, I will be successful because that's, uh, I guess we, are, we do live in a world about, you know, managing certainty and uncertainty or rather uncertainty. Yeah. And, and it's very interesting, Vicky, because you talked there a little bit about um, the board sort of creating the environment for um, uh, good discussion and good, uh, uh, you know, healthy, robust challenge and, and uh, delivering on your promises to investors. And I know this is a point that you wanted to pick up as we start to think now about each of those core attributes of what an effective board looks like. Vicky, you mentioned to me when we were talking before this call that, that one of those is around exactly that, the quality of the discussion, the robust challenge. Can, can you talk us through a little bit, a little bit more about that? Yes, so so indeed, um, an effective board, as you know, sort of uh, trailed by Margaret and Martin, um, have many positive core attributes. Um, 
And so some relate to kind of the infrastructure, the business model and, and the governance arrangements, uh, the, the governance framework. And then the, there is this very important piece, which is about the behavioral aspects of the board. We hope you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.